Our reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58. It can be found on page 1156 in the Church Bibles. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, for he gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thanks be to God for this reading. Please do take your seats. Um, those are quite some words to sing, aren't they? To be able to say, yes, I'm going to gladly embrace that sort of lifestyle. I want to obey you. I want to... That's quite a massive thing. So why don't we pray now that God would help us to genuinely mean what we've just been singing. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that uh, there is a life worth living, that there are things you would have us do which are worth doing, and we pray that you would give us the faith to believe that. We pray that you would help us now as we consider this part of your word to be very aware that you are speaking to us, words of encouragement and drive which push us on to keep living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Again? If you know that song that we sometimes sing, you sort of think, it's time to sing the song again. It's time to do it all over again. First thing in the morning, when you wake up in the morning and you think, I'm going to sing. Do you feel like that? Do you think I'm waking up in the morning? I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to sing the Lord's song today. Caffeine probably seems a bit more pressing at that time in the morning, more than praying or reading the Bible or doing anything. Perhaps it's a Tuesday morning, a random, random weekday morning. You know that today there are things you need to do, whatever they are, whether it's at home or at work or at school or wherever it is. And you know God wants you to work hard at it, to do it for him. And yet... It's just very, very hard to feel motivated to do it at all, let alone to do it for him, to do it wholeheartedly, to do it taking opportunities to speak about Jesus with the people we meet. Deary me, perseverance with that, it just feels like such a hard slog. 
And it's not just Tuesdays, is it? Today is Sunday. That's not a work day for most of us. So I imagine we all jumped out of bed with a song in our heart and a spring in our step. Say, church is at 10 o'clock. I can't wait. And look, I'm down on refreshments. Yes, I can't wait to get there early. I can't wait to be there a little bit late. I can't wait to serve other people. Is that how you feel this morning? Perhaps the enthusiasm isn't quite there. Big ways and small ways. Serving the Lord is tough. Everything can feel like a chore. It can feel a little bit pointless, if we're honest. What is going to keep us going when we're feeling that way? When it's midway through Wednesday afternoon, what is going to stop us giving up? We need to know that it isn't pointless. We need to know that we have reasons for doing what we're doing as we continue with Christ. Well, our final memory verse of the summer gives us just that. It, it is a bit like a, a pep talk, if you like. It is, it's like somebody coming up to us uh, to have a word, give us a strong talking to, give us a bit of oomph when we're losing it, a bit of stirring encouragement. So we're going to read this out loud. If you have one of these cards, you can read it from that. If the contrast on that isn't too difficult to read, we're going to try reading that out. And let's give it a bit of welly, because it isn't the sort of verse you, you can read uh, limply. It kind of needs a bit of welly, doesn't it? So let's read this verse together out loud. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. This is a longer one. This is going to take some labor in the Lord to, to put the effort in. But it is great, isn't it? It's a great verse. It's an encouraging thing to hear lots of people saying it. It's it's really the tonic we need. It's a good one for first thing in the morning to get you going. It is a good thing, good one for, for when you're in the thick of it and you need to rally the troops, even if that is just you. It's a good one for last thing at night as you fall into bed tired. You go, what was that for? Well, to say that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's all we need to hear, isn't it? If we're ever going to stand firm or or let nothing move us, or give ourselves to the work of the Lord. We need to know, at Wem Baptist Church, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. Or in other words, your work for God is worth it. Your work for God is worth it. It is worth doing. It is not pointless. It is not in vain. We're not just wearing ourselves out for no good reason. Your work for God is worth it. Uh, Herodotus, who's an ancient historian, he, he summed up a lot of our, our problem. He said this, Some say the bitterest sorrow a man can know is to aspire to do much and do little. Not so. The bitterest sorrow a man can know is to aspire to do much, to do it, and then discover it was not worth doing. Isn't that our fear, that we're going to do the thing and then go, oh, there wasn't really, that wasn't worth doing. It wasn't worth me bothering. Well, that is not what it is like for us as we labor for the Lord. We are not going to get to the end and wish we hadn't bothered. In the middle of it, we might start to wonder, but one day we will see that our work for God 
is worth it. And we do need to know that now, don't we? The, the verse that we were looking at, it, it says that we can keep going because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We need to know that that's true, don't we? But how can we know? Well, the verse begins with a therefore. The reason we can keep going is because of the things that he's just been saying. So uh, all these commands to carry on come off the back of the rest of this chapter in, in, in 1 Corinthians. It's knowing that truth that's going to persuade us that it's worth it to keep going. And in particular, it's the hope of the resurrection. It is the rock-solid truth of the resurrection that means we can know our work is worth it. If you've closed your Bibles, do open them again uh, to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and if you were to read it through, you, the word raised or raised comes up 18 times. Resurrection comes up four times. And there's loads about victory over death and, and coming to life and all that kind of stuff. It's full of truth about the resurrection. Just have a look back at the first verse of the chapter. It says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So if you can already see the link, the first verse of the chapter is telling us to, that we've got the gospel is what we've taken our stand on. And at the end of the chapter, that verse we're learning is saying, yes, and keep standing on it. Keep standing in that gospel. Keep standing in that truth. It's the truth that will keep us going. Let's keep going in verse 2. It says, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. Again, do you see the connection? We're saying that standing firm is what we need to do so that it's not in vain. If we don't stand firm, if we don't stick with it, then all of our serving and all of our trusting so far will be for nothing. But if we hold on to the gospel, we keep believing, then it won't be. We need to keep believing in these great truths of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The trouble was, in Corinth, there were people undermining that gospel, who were saying things that, that undercut it, and that meant people's motivation was slipping. Sometimes we don't think, why is it important to, uh, to keep preaching the gospel? Well, because it's true. But another reason is because if we don't do that, if we undermine it, we won't keep going. And their motivation was slipping because people were saying things like this. If you look at verse 12, saying that there is no resurrection of the dead. Not just, oh, dead people don't usually rise or Jesus didn't rise, but there will be no future day when believers in Jesus rise again. They were saying that that's not going to happen. You, you've got everything you're going to get already. All the benefits of that, you've already got it now. Now that's discouraging, isn't it? Because no offense, this is the best it's going to get. That's not great, is it? And lots of people today would agree with them that basically, you know, this is it. You live, you die, that's it. Whether that's uh, the likes of Richard Dawkins talking about the dangerous nonsense that death is not the end, whether it's that sort of person, or even some Christians can act as if we have everything now. As if we have all of it now, all of our healing from all our diseases now, all of our non-stop joy now, all of our problems go away now. And that's just not true. We need to be looking ahead to the future to keep us going. But even if we 
aren't an atheist, even if we aren't the sort of person who thinks that Christians have it all now, we can still live like that's true. We make all our decisions based on the pleasures of the moment. We make our decisions based on success and comfort now. Because we've forgotten the amazing future we have to look forward to. We've forgotten how wonderful that's going to be. No wonder we think about giving up. No wonder we do things half-heartedly. Because it's only that future that is coming that will make our work worth it. This chapter runs through what would be the case if there was no resurrection. Kind of imagine there's no heaven kind of thing. Well, let's, let's imagine that. Let's see what it would be like. Verse 13, it says if, if there's no resurrection, Jesus hasn't even been raised. Verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. So if there isn't that coming, then, then, then I should shut up and you shouldn't listen. The word for useless here, it's not about the quality of the sermon, you know, oh, preaching's useless. No, it's that same word as in vain. It's, it's pointless. It's not, it's not doing anything. If there isn't a resurrection, we're wasting our time now. Verse 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Like if there isn't a resurrection from the dead, then, then believing in a 2,000-year-old dead man is not going to help you. Our sins aren't paid for. We're still in trouble with God. If there isn't a great future coming, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I can remember being on a, a student weekend uh, where the speaker said, oh, being a Christian is so good. Even if there was no heaven after we die, it would still be worth it. Even if there was no heaven after we die, it would still be worth it. You think, oh, that's a nice idea, isn't it? It's rubbish. It's not the case. Verse, have a look at verse 19. It says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. People ought to feel sorry for us. Those stupid, stupid, it's such a nice day. Why are they inside in church? Why are they wasting their time trusting something that's not true? Why are they working hard at something when there's no reward coming? They're not going to see anything from it. Why are they suffering? Why are they denying themselves? For, for what? Idiots. That's what the Bible says. We're idiots if, we, if it's not true. In verse 32, Paul asks, well, what's the point of all my suffering for the gospel if this life is all we have? Going rejection and prison and hardship. Why put yourself through that? And why not just sin? So the end of verse 32, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's just go get drunk and enjoy ourselves. There's nothing else if there's no resurrection. This chapter talks about trusting God, speaking for God, suffering for God, obeying God. These things, I think, if we look through the chapter, those are the things that he identifies as our labor in the Lord. And if there is no future day coming, all of that stuff is in vain. But Jesus did rise from the dead. One day, so will we, if we're trusting him. And that means our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your work for God is worth it. The trusting and speaking and suffering and obeying, it's got value. It's got purpose because of that great future. 
Now, when you're struggling on a journey, it can help to think about how good it will be when you get there. I don't know if that was your experience, maybe if you went on holiday or, or on a walk or something like that. Thinking about what it will be like when we finally get there, it can make it worthwhile when we're struggling in it. But maybe that's why we sometimes lack motivation, because we're not thinking about what's coming. But let's just spend a moment. Those verses that Nick read for us earlier, they give us a little glimpse of what that destination will be, what that day will be like to keep us going. So verse 50, it says that it's so wonderful, we can't get in as we are. It says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. As we are in our current flesh and blood bodies, we can't, we can't get there. Not because where we're heading is, is going to be all floaty, ghosty, we can't get in if we've got bodies. No, where we're going is too solid. It is too good for our current bodies that go wrong and die. We need to be transformed. We need new bodies. Verse 53 puts it like this. The perishable, that's our bodies now, must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. It's like putting on new clothes. We aren't going to, when we finally get there, we aren't going to take off our bodies and sort of be flying around as naked souls or anything like that. We're going to put on something more substantial more physical and better than now. Bodies that aren't going to break or bruise or age or ache or fail or tire or sicken or die. We're going to be changed. Isn't that something that you want? Because that is what is coming and that is going to make it all worthwhile. We are going to be changed. Now verse 51 has been described as a memory verse for the crash. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed. Uh, it's obviously not about that. It's not about that. Uh, it's saying that, look, we're, we're not all Christians are going to die before Jesus comes back, but every believer will be transformed. No one is going to miss out on this. No one's going to miss out on this if they're believing in Jesus. And those who die, who you think might miss out, well, they're referred to in an amazing way. It talks about them being asleep, doesn't it? Now, I, I fell asleep last night. I imagine you did too, eventually. But it didn't last forever. We are now awake. If there is somebody near you who is not, feel free to give them a, an elbow. <laughs> but we, we fall asleep, and then we wake up. And it's just like that for those who die in Christ. We will rise again. Death is not the end. And those who are still awake, who are still alive, when Jesus comes back will be changed. We will get everything that's coming to us. Verse 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The idea of trumpets. In, in the Old Testament, when the army was ready for battle, the trumpet would blast to announce their arrival, and the soldiers would then charge in to victory. Or the trumpet sounds and Jericho's walls crumble. Our future resurrection is spoken like that. It's a final trumpet blast, one last one, where all of God's people, dead or alive, will be gathered there like an army, risen up, transformed for Jesus to go and conquer. What a day that is going to be. We're being told about that so that we would keep on battling on, knowing victory is absolutely certain. When that happens, verse 54, we're told, then the saying that is written will come true. 
Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Don't we want victory over death? Don't we want it to stop happening? For it to give back the people it's taken? That's something we, those of us who who know what's going on in, 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 in church life might have had an email this week. Death just happens all of a sudden. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Death is described as a terrible creature with a powerful sting. Verse 56 says, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. What that means is that sin is how death will get you. You sin and it has got you in its jaws. And God's law gives extra weight to that because it makes clear what sin is, how far short we fall, and it doesn't help us. It just condemns us. So then we've got the law, we've got sin, we've got death all against us. We need victory over that. Verse 55, if verse 55 was said in judgment, wouldn't that be awful? Where, O death, is your sting? Go and get it. Go and get your sting, death. It's time to use it. That's actually the the context where that verse comes from in Hosea 13. It's about God's judgment coming on people. Where is that sting? Go fetch it. But the amazing thing about the gospel is that in Christ, that threat is now a taunt. Because of the resurrection, we can now look at death and mock it and say, yeah, where is your victory? Where is that sting that you keep talking about? It's gone. It's gone. I'm not afraid of you anymore. It's a bit like a, a bee. You might know honeybees can only sting you once. You know that, um, I don't know if you know why. I've got a very interesting uh, nature photo here. They jab you with their stinger, and then when they fly away, it pulls their stomach out. Did you know that? It pulls the end off. It's lovely, isn't it? A nice little, nice little one. The picture's for the kids. There you go. That's nice. <laughs> so the bee, it comes in, and it stings you, and it is much, much worse for the bee. It is the last thing it will ever do. It's going to just go fly off and die in a corner of the garden somewhere. We've been told that death is like that. For Christians, it has stung Jesus. We deserve it. We deserve the the sting of death for us. But if we're trusting in Jesus, he has been stung. And now death has no sting left for us. It's only a matter of time before death itself dies. So where is your sting now, death? It's all been used up. It's all been left behind. Death, sin, those Ancient enemies that make life so hard, so discouraging. How can we possibly battle against that? Well, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Doesn't that whet your appetite for that coming day when death is finally gone? It'll give you a reason to keep going. Our work is not for nothing. Our labor is not in vain. We are heading for guaranteed victory, even on our worst possible day. People are desperate for a hope like that, for a purpose, for a reason to carry on. And it comes from Jesus. So if that's true, if that is true that our our work is worth it, what should we do about it? Well, our memory verse tells us, doesn't it? Why don't we read that out again? Let's read that out again. 
together. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It's good to learn the reference so we know where we get it from. But what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to stand firm. We're supposed to let nothing move us. We're supposed to always give ourselves to that work of the Lord. In other words, to stick with it. To stick with it. It's, it's obvious, isn't it? If, if labour is not in vain, then labour. If our work is, not, it is worth it, then let's keep working. Keep going, keep serving, keep fighting. The message translation puts it like this. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. That's a really helpful idea. Just throw yourselves into the work. Because your confidence, not, it's not a waste of time. Put your heart and soul into it. Now, um, years ago, I had a number of temp jobs, you know, sorts of jobs. I remember jobs where you sort of open a box, take a thing out of the box, put another thing in the box, close the box. Every day, all day, that sort of, that sort of job. Working in warehouses and, and offices and workshops and mail rooms. And a lot of workplaces are soul-destroying, aren't they? And uh, Normally it's the people, but sometimes it's the work. <laughs> the work that just seems so pointless. Sometimes it can just feel never-ending. It's very hard to give it your all, isn't it? Your, your get-up-and-go gets up and goes. <laughs> but if you know a job's worth doing... If you know you're part of something bigger, something that is going to succeed, then you work harder at it. That is what this is about. This verse is a rallying cry to press on, stick with it, stand firm. That's to be fixed, to be settled, to let nothing move you. It's holding your ground, not giving way, being resolute, not moving an inch, a sort of holy stubbornness which is different to normal stubbornness, uh, different to laziness as well. This isn't kind of Saturday afternoon on the sofa, immovable. This is immovable like a, a soldier staying in the fight, holding the line, steadfastly getting to work. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So that means serving, serving not wholeheartedly, but doing what needs to be done, getting up tomorrow and doing it again with passion. We already saw how this chapter talked about four different kinds of work for the Lord, things that aren't in vain, trusting God, speaking for God, suffering, obeying. And we need to stick with those things. We need to stick with it, trusting God. Sometimes that is very, very hard, isn't it? And it might be that you are going through something particularly hard at the moment. Can I remind you that Jesus is alive and that we are next? It won't be long now. All this labor will not be in vain. The only way it would be in vain is if we stop trusting him. If, if we do what verse 2 talks about, of not holding firmly to the word, so believing in vain. If we start and don't finish, that would be a waste of time. But instead, believing these true things because they are true. Whatever that discouragement is that's making you lose heart, let nothing move you. Don't let it knock away your grip on the Lord's. 
And we need each other for this, don't we? We need other people who are going to remind us of the truth, who are going to remind us of the future and going to call us to stick with it. So in a roundabout way, this is a call to to get stuck in at church. Stay. Talk with people. Be encouraged. Get involved in home groups as they restart soon, where other people can spur you on. And you go to that as well. Let's be there as encouragers of other people, because we need each other. We need people to say this to us, so we'll keep trusting. Why not come to the prayer meeting this week? Again, that is not just, I go to the prayer meeting because I just love praying. It's going, I go to the prayer meeting because I'm desperately in need. I don't even know how to pray, but I know I probably shouldn't. It would be a good thing to encourage one another to put our trust in God. Because if we don't trust God, then we won't have this great future. That's why we speak for Him. That's why we tell people about Him. Yes, we tell other Christians so that they keep going, but we also tell people who aren't Christians yet. Because they need to hear They need to trust in Jesus. Outside of Christ, people's work is in vain. Ultimately, it will come to nothing. Death, sin, it will have the last words. Even if we get absolutely everything we've been working for, we're going to die and it's gone. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. So we keep on speaking for God, giving ourselves to that work of it so we can share that great truth with other people. Sometimes we get tired of that. We try to speak to our friends, we try to speak to family, they don't seem to listen. It is worth persevering with it. Those of us who've got Bible teaching roles here at church, whether that's Kids Zone or Crash or Junior Church or Ignite or Tiddlywinks or Home Groups or Preaching or in other ways where we share the truth with each other, we should take heart from this, shouldn't we? That Because Christ is raised, our preaching is not in vain. Our telling of the Bible story is not in vain. Our leading of the Bible study is not in vain. It's true. It is worth saying. It is worth hearing. So we stick with it. We stick with it even when it's tough. Suffering is worth it. Paul, who wrote this, suffered enormously. Just in this chapter alone, he talks about it. Being a Christian is like facing death every day. He's endangering himself to be known as a believer. But he sticks with it. If this life is all we have, by all means, let's do everything we can to protect that life. Let's be as comfortable as we can. Let's definitely not give any money away. Let's store all of that up. Don't waste your time on other people. If it ever gets hard or embarrassing to be a Christian, make sure you keep your head down. Because, you know, if this life is all we've got, But if there's another life to come, then we're free to suffer, aren't we? We're free to take risks. We lose this life, got another one, got a better one. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to us now. It is defeated. So we keep going with Jesus. And that includes keeping going, obeying him, having that victory over sin, not giving into it. That is a fight we we often stop fighting. We think it doesn't matter, but it does. The truth of the gospel ought to make us snap out of it. There's stuff in that chapter, you want to look 33, 34, around that call to snap out of it, come back to our senses, to keep striving. That is worth sticking with. 
Now, I don't know which of these you might be most struggling with at the moment, where you most need encouragement, whether it's in serving in church, starting to do that, or carrying on doing that with joy. Maybe it is about having a bit more purpose in your prayer, in your reading of the Bible, or carrying on pouring yourself out for your family and for those who need you. Let's not stop. Look ahead this week. Maybe think of a time where you imagine you are going to be lacking motivation, wherever, wherever that might be for you. It might be in the car on the way somewhere or at your desk or by your bedside table or somewhere in your house. Somewhere you think, actually, I often lack motivation when I'm here. Well, why not stick one of these cards there? Why not stick that memory verse there to remind yourself, to give you that pep talk? Why don't we give one another this kind of conversation after church today? It would be great, wouldn't it, if we were talking to one another Say, come on, throw yourself into the work. Let's keep going. If you know you need somebody to talk like that with you today, make sure you do speak to somebody. Make sure, particularly if you're hearing this, you think, I'm totally new to all this. That sounds like the kind of hope I need, but I don't have that. Definitely talk to somebody. Because if it's true, it's worth sticking with. Let's read this one last time together, and then we'll pray. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for what we've read today. We thank you that Jesus is alive. We thank you for our future resurrection. We thank you that our work for you is not in vain. Please help us to believe that. Please help us to spur one another on with words like these so that we do trust you and stick with it to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.